All right, just a very quick recap. Um, the handout that you received tonight or that you picked up is exactly the same as last week. Uh, so I'm just going to go real quickly over the uh, first four uh, principles that we talked about last week. When we're, ta- when we're talking about gray areas in our life. And the first one is the edification principle uh, found in 1 Corinthians 10.23. And the question is, uh, will this activity produce spiritual benefit? And so in every activity, everything that we do, we have to uh, think about how will it affect others. Uh, the second one is the enslavement principle. Uh, will this activity lead to spiritual bondage? Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.12. And so we... We have to be careful and make wise decisions, wise choices, that if there, there are things out there that have the potential, and they could be anything, it could be a lot of different things, uh, to take us captive and bring us back into bondage. And so we have to be uh, aware of these things and avoid those types of things. Uh, the third one is the exposure principle. And will this activity expose my mind or body to defilement, and that's found in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Uh, we talked about uh, the, what we use, uh, what we put into our body, and how we use our bodies. We're, we're to be used and use our bodies for righteousness, and we need to uh, make wise decisions about what we're allowing in because they do affect our mind, and so we have to uh, be careful in those areas. And the fourth one is the esteem principle. Will this activity benefit others or cause them to stumble? And this is the one where we talked about, as Christians, we are to limit our liberties, the liberty that we have, the freedom that we have uh, because of Christ, uh, for the sake of others. There are certain things that you may uh, be able to do with a clean conscience and feel free to do, but there's other believers uh, who who would struggle with that or cause them to stumble. And so we limit our liberty, limit our freedom, Uh, for their sake. Um, And this is where Paul says, if eating meat causes a brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. And I gave the example of uh, the guy that we support um, in a restricted nation uh, who doesn't eat pork uh, because he wants to win Muslims. Even though he's at complete freedom to eat that, uh, it's not a salvation issue. it's It's not a right or wrong issue. He's completely free to do that. But he does that for the sake of others. And so as believers, we put others' needs ahead of our own. And if it will cause somebody to stumble, uh, we limit our freedom uh, for their sake. So that's where we left off last week. So tonight we will pick up with the fifth one. And the fifth one is the... Actually, we already did that one. Uh, The next one. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was the fourth one. fifth one is the evangelism principle. The evangelism principle. Will this activity further the cause of the gospel? And so as believers, as Christians, this is what, what we have to be concerned with. Is this, this is a testimony thing. Is, the, is, this act, is this choice, is this decision that I'm about to partake in or I'm considering, will it help the gospel or will it hurt the gospel? And so this is talking about our testimony. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Too far. First Corinthians chapter ten. Verses thirty-two and thirty-three. 
And here Paul says, Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my, my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. What was Paul's primary purpose when he dealt with people? That they be saved, right? That, they would, that God would save them. And so he says that, so when he talks about here not giving offense to them, he's not, he wasn't concerned about hurting people's feelings. Okay, Paul was bold. He spoke the truth. He spoke it boldly. But he would try to, uh, but he did not want to give offense in the things that he did. And so he gave no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or the church of God. Just I try to please everyone in everything I do. You're never going to be able to please everybody. And we all know that by now, uh, that you can't please everybody. Uh, however, the point that Paul is getting at is that he would try to, uh, he would try to, uh, he would not do things that would alienate certain groups of people. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, I can go and I can, I can go and uh, hang out with the drunkards uh, <laughs> in certain places and, and I'm going to go do this to win them. Well, let's go through all the other questions that we've talked about first. That's not a wise decision. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, what I want, my goal is to win them. And so I'm not going to do anything that's going to cause, that's going to hurt the sake of the gospel, hurt my witness, hurt my testimony, because the world is watching. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses nineteen through twenty-three. It says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as one under the law, though not being not, though myself not being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law became outside the law, not being outside the law of God. See, there's what we talked about there, is he would not do things that were going to dishonor God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. What Paul is saying is, I try to identify with, with people where they're at. That may be a better way to say uh, what I was trying to say earlier, is that he tried to win people where they were at. He tried to understand where they were, and so he could speak to them. And, of course, Paul, he could speak to the Jews because he was a Pharisee. Before he came to know Christ, he's a Pharisee. He knew the law. He knew it inside and out. Also, he was a Roman citizen, so he understood that world as well. So he understood the world that these people were coming from, and he would go there and be able to speak to them and share the gospel with them. He says, I do all these things. Why? What was his primary concern? So that people would come to know Christ. And see, that is our goal as well, is that when we deal with people, when we come across people, are we, what is our testimony telling them? This is the issue of our testimony. What, is our, what our life says about God. So what does your life say to your friends, your relatives, coworkers? Neighbors, uh, people that you just know, maybe other acquaintances. Uh, what does your life say about God? Because your testimony either tells the truth about God and who he is or it tells a lie. And again, our words are meaningless if our actions don't follow. 
We could say a lot of things with our mouth. We, and a lot of times, maybe you've grown up in church and we know a lot of the right things to say, but we don't back that up uh, in our lifestyle. And so we have to be careful. This is an issue of testimony and witness. And what is, our, what is our life telling? Is it telling you the truth about God or is it telling a lie? And so don't let your choices bring offense to God's reputation, but rather bring praise to him and point to him. And so when it's a question of uh, this evangelism principle, will this activity further the cause of the gospel, uh, that is a good question to ask. In these gray areas where you're not sure, is it right, is it wrong? Well, let me ask myself this question. Will this uh, further the cause of the gospel? The next one is the ethics principle. Will this activity violate my conscience? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. It says, Eat whatever is sold in the market, meat market, without raising any question on ground of conscience. For the earth is, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed, disposed to, uh, to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty deter- be determined by someone else's conscience? And so what you're talking about here, this ethics principle, will it violate my conscience, it was talking about here that it contains three references to abstaining from certain practices for conscience sake. So if something is bothering your conscience, don't, don't do it. Don't do that. Uh, it, it's, it's there for a reason and it's there for our good. Never train yourself to violate your conscience. The Bible speaks oftentimes about this and it speaks talking about our consciences uh, at some point can be seared to where we don't we don't sense the uh, we don't sense that it doesn't it doesn't activate in our lives um, anymore if your conscience is troubled by what you are thinking of doing don't do it if you're not sure about something the safe bet is don't do it again we're talking about these gray areas in our life so if there's any question at all if in your conscience you're really you're battling you're struggling What's that probably telling you? It's not good. It's not wise. And we don't do it. It's dangerous, it's dangerous to do anything that violates our conscience and causes us to doubt our actions. Even if other Christians feel free to do those things. Uh, it's a dangerous thing to do. And, and we begin to train, train ourselves to violate our conscience, which is a God-given thing. And so don't do that. It's there to help us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead 
expose them. And so what we see here is that we are commanded that we are to walk as children of the light. It says don't walk as those who are in darkness. You, you used to be in darkness, now you're not. You, you've been brought from darkness to light, from death to life. It says don't live that way anymore. You are, no long, you are no longer who you used to be. You've been changed. You've been transformed. We talked about that last week. It says, therefore, walk as children of the light. And so we, this helps if we listen to our conscience. This ethics principle of will is to violate my conscience. The last principle, last principle, is the exaltation principle. And I believe this is the, this is the, if you're going to remember one question, this is the one. This sums up all the other questions, I believe. This is the one question. If you can remember one of them, this is the one. It says, will this, will this activity bring glory to God? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So what does that include? What does all include? Everything. So in everything that you do, whether you're dealing with something that's in one of these gray areas that the Bible doesn't explicitly talk about, or maybe it doesn't address it fully, or maybe there's just not, uh, not a whole lot of clarity in it, well, ask yourself, will this decision that I'm about to make, will it glorify God? And answer that honestly. Again, this kind of sums up a lot of the other questions that we've been talking about. This is kind of the big one. It sums up all the principles. We are created to glorify God and worship him forever. This is why we were created. We were created by God for God. We are not created for ourselves. We are not created just to uh, get as much pleasure and happiness in life uh, that we can get. This is not what, it's not about that. It's about glorifying God. Everything God does is for his own glory. In creation, it was for God's glory. When God created us, it was for his glory. And so that is what we are made to do. We are created by God, for God, to glorify him and worship him uh, forever. As Christians, this should be the cry of our heart, is to glorify our Lord and Savior with our lives. With our, that we glorify him in everything that we do. Again, no matter what you do, in all things, glorify God. So again, all is all. So in everything you're doing, glorify God. So when it comes to the gray, gray areas, think about it. And does it glorify and praise God? If it doesn't, don't do it. If our choices are consistent with these principles found in his word, then our actions will glorify God. If we can learn to ask some of these questions, again, I believe this one is the easiest to remember. Will this glorify God? But if we remember these principles and these questions, it will help us, it will help us make wise decisions, godly uh, decisions uh, in these gray areas. So that's the seven principles, but there's another area we're going to talk about. There's four more uh, kind of, I call them sub-principles. But there's some more thoughts, and we're talking about the world of entertainment. People live to be entertained, do they not? People live, they, they, they get through Monday through Friday because they, they're looking forward to whatever, trying to have, uh, enjoy uh, the weekend, to be entertained over the weekend or whatever. But 
we're going to talk about this world of entertainment. Technological advancements have improved our society in many ways, yet we also introduce a, a host of powerful new temptations. Again, people haven't changed. The times may have changed a little bit uh, in the way uh, and, and the things that we're, um, we can easily access. I guess we have a greater access to things, faster access to things, but people have never changed. The human heart has never changed. And so we have this te- technology and it's introduced this whole host of powerful new temptations, and they're at our fingertips when it comes to technology. Uh, you, can ha- you can have them, and you can have them right now. The world of entertainment is a big business, as you all know. Top films gross, or top movies, uh, they gross hundreds of millions of dollars, um, as do uh, video games and, and uh, of course, now, all the things that people do on, on uh, online through social media and all—I mean, the, it's a crazy amount of money that is generated. Of course, if money is generated, they're going to keep—it's going to keep—it's going to keep growing, going to keep growing and keep doing and, and, and uh, putting more stuff out there. TV shows, of course, uh, like um, sitcoms, things like that—they uh, broadcast to millions. Of course, radio. Um, People don't really listen to radio or CDs and things like that anymore. Uh, But people are constantly streaming music, streaming videos, uh, streaming things through, uh, and and they're on social media nonstop. Of course, millions and millions and millions of dollars um, are being spent um, by by these companies, and they're also being spent by the consumer. It is a money-making machine. So thanks to the Internet, it's more convenient now than ever before. And uh, again, even more, since this study was done, it's even crazier now than it ever was even then. Um, it's over one and a half to two billion users worldwide. It's crazy you can go to a third world country and uh, they don't have running water, but somehow they'll have their cell phones. And I'm not sure how, but they'll hook it up so that they can have access. Um, it's crazy. Um, it, it is a huge, huge thing. Now, there's good things about it. There's great things about it. We can keep up with people around the world. Um, for instance, on Facebook, one reason I have Facebook is I'm able to contact and keep up with our missionaries. That's one of the things I'm uh, over the missions here. I'm able to keep up with our missionaries when otherwise I wouldn't be able to. There's good things that it can do. You can keep up with friends, maybe who have moved, moved away, and, and you can still... Uh, talk to them and keep up with them. It's a good thing. Um, however, it can also be used as a bad thing. And also, when we talk about the enslavement principle, <laughs> most people are enslaved to technology. They're enslaved to the entertainment industry. Uh, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Chances are most people grab their phone. What's the last thing you do before you go to bed? Probably looking at it. Uh, it's just, we're constantly uh, being bombarded with, stu- with stuff. And we talk about the enslavement pr- uh, principle. Will this lead to spiritual bondage? And it's so easy to do. So none of these technologies are in and of themselves evil. They're not bad. It's a good tool. It helps us. Um, thank goodness for computers and things like that that can do a lot of the, some of that hard work for you. The things that you said when school, 
when will I ever use this? Well, you won't because there's computer programs that do it for you now. Um, but thank, I'm thankful for those things. They're not evil in, of them, in and of themselves. Um, in fact, they can also be used to promote righteousness and God's truth. Uh, you can go on and you can watch messages of, of pastors. You can hear, hear uh, uh, the Bible taught. You can, there's, better, there's good music out there. There's things like that that you can, you can uh, listen to. Um, but the reality is that we live in a fallen world and is deeply corrupted by sin. And, I, you know, we were at, had the Truth Project this last Sunday night. It was a great one, asking, what is evil? What is man? What is evil? And it was a very, very thought-provoking uh, session. And so I'd encourage you, if you're not doing anything on Sunday nights, come Sunday night, 6 o'clock, and we'll have, we've been do, going through the uh, truth project but we are a fallen world and deeply corrupted by sin we are not good at the core people are not inherently good we are actually inherently wicked we are born uh, depraved uh, and so we are deeply deeply corrupted by sin um, from birth outside the grace of God we'd be doing the same thing we'd be headed down the same path that we were before we came to know him so here are these four principles to add to these seven, kind of these sub-principles. First, is that Christ demands good stewardship. Christ demands good stewardship. So the average American spends four hours a day, and I bet it's even more than that now. On Saturdays, for me, it's a lot more, especially now because it's college football season. But um, the average American spends four hours a day watching TV, watching the TV, which over a... 70-year lifespan is 12 years of your life. 12 years of your life. So we can, waste, we can waste time being entertained. And time is a limited resource. It's not something you can get back. There's a set number of days that each of us has, and we can't get more of it. There's only 24 hours in a day. Uh, and once it's spent, it's spent. So what kind of benefit is there to watching TV or playing uh, playing video games or whatever. Again, are those things bad in and of themselves? No. But we just need to be aware of it so that we be, no, the, and be aware that we can become enslaved if we're not careful, and it begins to control us. And so it's, it's something to be aware of. And one day we will stand before the Lord and answer for all that we did in our life, including in this area. The second one is the lordship of Christ denounces impurity and worldliness. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. I testify again uh, to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Uh, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, for, a fallen, for you have fallen away from grace. I think I totally read, that's Galatians. Man, I'm going, I don't remember reading this verse. <laughs> Let's try Ephesians. Man, they're right. Ephesians chapter 5, 
I don't know if you've ever done that before. You start reading going, I don't think this is right. But you keep on going anyways. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Here we go. But sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness must not be even named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So what this is here is talking about the lordship of Christ denounces impurity and worldliness. These two verses alone rule out much of what passes as entertainment. Much of what passes as entertainment. Again, people live to be entertained. That's what their whole life is about. How can I be entertained? And in this world that we live in, this fast-paced technological world, we can be entertained constantly, whenever we want it. And most of the stuff that passes as entertainment, uh, this speaks uh, toward that and rules out much of that. Movies today are rated, but again, who are they rated by? They're rated by the world. And so we have to be aware of that. Um, also, they're not, they're not just non-Christian. Uh, they're anti-Christian. They're against God, most of them. And when we fill our mind, minds with the filth of this world, we do ourselves a great spiritual disservice. It, will, it does affect us. When we're continually filling our minds with these kinds of things, it does affect us. The third one. The Lordship of Christ determines right priorities. The Lordship of Christ determines right uh, priorities. Our media culture has redefined the pursuit of happiness. I want to be happy. I want to be entertained. I want to have pleasure, and I want it right now. Right now. Our media culture has redefined this pursuit of happiness, and that is the pursuit. If you ask most people, what is one of the goals of their life? They just want to be happy, right? Most people. But we're not called to just be happy. We're called to be holy. We're called to be different. We're called to be Christ-like. We are called to glorify God, not just try to be as happy as we can and then we die. That's not what life is about. That's not why we were created. Uh, But this is what the world seeks after is this instant happiness, this pursuit of happiness. Now instant fame, easy romance, and the blank check promise that anyone can achieve their dreams um, with no hard work. It should just happen. You know, maybe you've had the dream that Ed McMahon would show up at your house with a big check. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I would accept it, I'm sure. But, but we don't count on this. Yeah, people count on these things. Uh, they don't want to work. They just want just to be happy. And, and have it easy, have everything just easy. Uh, the Word of God and the Spirit should shape our worldview and not Hollywood. And Hollywood is very, very good at shaping the culture's, culture's worldview. And if we're not careful, we can fall right, in, right along in line uh, with that. Christians are more affected by movies that they watch than sermons they hear. We remember movies, we remember quotes, but ask me what our pastor spoke about Sunday, and I can't tell you. Ask myself what I taught last Sunday in class, and I can't tell you. It's, we have a hard time remembering. We have a hard time. Um, we need, just need to be aware of this, talking about the Lordship of Christ determines right priorities, what's important in our life. 
So sinful pursuits are seemingly rewarded with happiness in our world, in our culture today. And so we have to recognize these things, um, is that we were not created just to be happy. We were not created just to be entertained. We were not created just to live a life full of pleasure all the time. We were created by God, for God, to glorify him. We need to remember that. That's why we were created. That's why he saved us. He didn't save us just so we don't go to hell when we die. He saved us to bring honor and glory to him. And so that is why we were created. And the fourth principle, fourth kind of sub-principle, whatever you want to call it, as we're talking about kind of media and the culture, uh, Christ defines a proper perspective. Christ defines a proper perspective. Our worldview must be grounded in reality, not the imaginary worlds of Hollywood. Do y'all realize that when you watch a movie, it's not real? That people aren't really like that? Um, that's, I talk about that like with kids, and they say, oh, I love that guy. I'm like, that's not who he really is. He's an actor. Nobody talks like that. Nobody does that. Life doesn't work like that. Uh, we need to remember that because sometimes if we get sucked into this and we're kind of out of touch with reality. But again, our worldview must be grounded in reality. And I, I would encourage you to come and be part of our truth project on Sunday nights. It's so good. So good. It's very thought-provoking and it's very helpful um, in explaining and, uh, and understanding what the culture is all about. Most entertainment is about escaping from reality, not portraying it accurately. Again, it's just movies. And I, tell, I have to tell my, I tell my kids that kind of stuff all the time. That guy, my daughter, that guy, he's not really like that. Nobody is. <laughs> um, it's, it's outside reality, not, and it doesn't portray it accurately. People can deny reality, and they can distract themselves with fantasy but cannot change the fact that they will stand before God. So every single person who's ever lived will stand before God. And so there, therefore, we, we are to be about glorifying God and making the gospel known and making much of him because people can bow their knee to, to Christ now by placing their faith in him for, for salvation, or one day they will do it in judgment. So every single person that we've, that's ever lived is an eternal being they will live eternally in real places. Some people tell you they're not real. There's real places, either heaven or a real place called hell. And they're an eternal being, and they'll spend eternity. They will, they will stand before God, as all of us will. Those who know Christ will be judged not guilty, will not be condemned for the sin that we've committed. It's been forgiven. And we will be rewarded for those things that we did in service to the Lord. We'll stand before God for, for the way that we lived our life. Those who don't know Christ, well, again, they will bow and confess that he is Lord, uh, according to Philippians chapter 2. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that glorifies God. But every single person, those who don't know Christ, will be judged guilty for every sin that they've ever committed, it will be spent. It will spend eternity separated from from God in hell, and it helps us to remember that. 
that really when it comes down to it, uh, we get caught up in a lot of differences and there's different races, and there's different languages, and there's different this, there's different that. There's really only two kinds of people. There's saved people and there's unsaved people. And if we saw people that way, it will change our perspective. Christ defines a proper perspective. That if we saw people that way, it would change how we live our lives. It would change the way that we do things. There may be some things in our, that we may be free to do, but we say, you know what, I'm going limit, to limit my liberty here for their sake. I'm not going to do this because it would ruin my testimony, and I want to reach this, this lost person that I know. See, it will change us if we see people not in all these different categories and groups that the world groups them in, but as the eternal person who is either saved or unsaved. This is how we need to see people. And Christ defines a proper perspective. So wrapping this up, I'm going to kind of wrap it up the same way we did last week. But taking a stand in your own life and in your family, again, is not legalistic. It's being a Christian. We need to remember that we're called to something different. We're, the world is the, the world is on its way to hell. The world is is not does not. And the thing is, they're just living out their nature. We get so offended and we get so uh, upset about non Christians acting like non Christians. They have they can't act any other way. That's their nature. But if you're in here tonight and you know Christ, you've been transformed. You've been transformed. You've been different. You've been called not just to be happy. You've been called to be holy, to be set apart for God's purposes. You've been called to glorify God. So taking a stand in your own life and in your family, again, it's not being legalistic. It's being a Christian. It's recognizing that you've been called. You have a higher calling. You've been called to something different, bringing honor and glory to Jesus Christ in everything that we do. So asking yourself these questions, it will help you develop biblical convictions in these areas. Again, there are legit areas uh, that we, we, we all battle. That maybe there's some that you have right now, some questions you have. You're like, what does the Bible say about this, this specific area? Is it right? Is it wrong? The Bible doesn't necessarily speak real clearly about this. But if we ask these questions, you can develop a conviction in that area about whether it's right or wrong based on the principles found in God's word. And so asking yourself these questions will help develop those convictions. Paul continually challenges believers to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. By the way, this glorifies God. Walking in the manner worthy of the gospel. What does that mean simply? The way I might explain that, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, is that if you claim to be a Christian, live like it. Live like it. Talk like it. Again, you could, I think I talked to our class about this, the old, how the old saying goes, and I'm probably going to butcher it, and I, I did on Sunday too. But, um, the old, yeah, okay, I'm trying, I'm going to get it. It says, uh, preach the gospel, and when necessary, or if necessary, use words. Well, that's a lie. How, does, what, how is faith birthed? Romans says it's by hearing the word of God. 
And so you could live a really night be a nice person and live and live that way before people and never tell them about Jesus Christ and they're going to die and they can go to hell thinking that you were just a really nice person and they have no reason why they don't understand why see we have to share the gospel and so to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel is that in everything we do we live in such a way that we bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ and we point to him. We point to him. So it is not just actions. It's actions and words. And they need to match. So as to walk in a, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, it means that as a professing Christian, you live like it and you talk like it. This glorifies God. And that's what we're called to do, is to make much of him. We've been given a ministry, not just pastors, but Christians, the ministry of reconciliation. And that we go as ambassadors for God. What does an ambassador do? They go in the name, like an American ambassador goes to another country in the name of United States of America. Right? We are ambassadors for Christ. Meaning that we go out, when you go out of this place tonight, we go out. In the name of Jesus Christ. And we make much of him. And so it's actions and it's words. And Paul continually challenges believers to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And this glorifies God. Bottom line is all these questions, what do they help us do? That's why this is is titled glorifying God in the gray areas. What did this help us do? To glorify God in all areas. There are some things in the Bible, very clear. Some things may not be as clear. There's, we, we're looking for more clarity or maybe we don't fully understand or we have questions about. Well, we want to glorify God in those areas too. And so if we can have these questions, will help us do that. Again, if you only remember one question, number seven, will this activity bring glory to God? That is what we are called to do. And I've said that over and over and over and over tonight, but that's what this is all about, is glorifying God in everything that we do. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for the stage you've given us. We thank you for this time we have together in your word. And Lord, we thank you for these principles that are found in it. Some of the areas that we may have questions about or some of the areas that we wrestle with, we wrestle through. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to use these questions as, as tools to help us. Help us make wise decisions, wise and godly decisions and choices. Lord, we know that we've been called by you to be holy, to be called apart and separated for your name. Uh, we have been called to glorify you, and that's what we want to do. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us in every area of our life uh, to glorify you, that we'd use these questions, these tools, that we would evaluate our lives and our priorities and the things that we do and the things that we say and, and how we're living our lives. Lord, help us to regularly examine ourselves, um, Lord, that we may glorify you even more um, every day. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.